0: And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. We're rolling along here. Middle of October. Great to see some beautiful golf uh, on Golf Channel. I really enjoyed the CJ Cup. Beautiful Shadow Creek out there in Las Vegas. I guess that would be one of the silver linings. We get to see some courses like this that we normally wouldn't see. No fans. Very private facility um, just looked absolutely gorgeous on tv and uh, of course uh, jason Kokrak gets his first win on the pga tour to help us uh, break it all down he was there he lived it on site for the golf channel golf channel analyst and announcer kurt byron kurt thanks for uh, joining us here on the podcast it's good to be with you travis
1: i'm looking forward to it
0: yeah well you got to tell us about the golf course first it looked beautiful i thought from what I could see, it played extremely well. I heard a few guys talk about the rough maybe was a little too long. What was your take?
1: Yeah, I think overall, the players liked it pretty well. Feedback that I got and the players that I spoke to, you know, I, it was pretty much all positive. You know, there were probably a couple greens that got maybe just a little too firm for their liking, but it, you know, it's just such a a gorgeous place, you know, just plopped down there in that North Las Vegas area, which was, you know, obviously just complete rough desert back in the day in 1990 when they opened that thing. But mm-hmm. um, I think the players really liked it. I, I thought it was pretty straightforward. There wasn't, you know, there weren't any real tricks to the golf course. Um, You had to drive it in the fairway. It could not play from the rough. The rough is that overseed rye, which this time of year, everybody out here is doing. And, you know, with good weather and water on it at night, it was growing like crazy. So by the end of the week, it was probably close to five inches. And um, it really created some issues for the players. But if they drove it well and they drove it in the fairway, you could absolutely play from there. And I think that, you know, you saw that in the scores that got shot Sunday. Some guys went for big numbers, but a guy like, you know, Coke Rack shot 64. So um, it was there. It was pretty much right in front of you. I, I thought the, the design held up. You know, they did some uh, modifications to the golf course, I think back in 2008 or 9. Uh, it was originally started, opened in 1990. So, but they, you know, with the tee boxes and everything, there was enough length. And, of course, the ball flies so far out there at, mm-hmm. at that 2,000 elevation plus 90-degree temperature. So, but I think overall, the golf course was just its spectacular looking. It's just a really cool place. You know, obviously, a lot of people have not been able to play there because of, uh, you know, how, as exclusive as it is. But um, it was fun to be able to sort of expose it to the world that really hasn't gotten a good look at it.
0: Yeah. Well, normally when you go there and play the golf course, you, you have to take a limo in no one drives their, no one drives their own car. And now I'd imagine that was different for the course or for the tournament, right? Not everybody was just rolling up in limos, right? No, (laughs) (laughs) I did see the MGM,
1: uh, you know, limo in and out of there quite a bit, but the players all had their uh their cars their (laughs) genesis cars and then of course you know the golf channel has its compound over there so you know and pga tour live had their you know they were in the same compound as we were so they're there but not really anywhere near the clubhouse i mean we were off in a dirt parking lot on the side of the golf course which is where we should be and you know with no Crowds there, no galleries there. It was pretty limited, but it was really well run. I mean, they they know how to operate there at Shadow Creek, as well as, you know, the tour is at this point is uh, pretty efficient in how they take care of things.
0: Well, Jason Kokrak gets his uh, first win 233 starts. I think he's made like over, you know, $13 million uh, playing the game. He's been on the scene for 10 years. And when I look at Kokrak over this, Period of time. I mean, if you compared his game to other PGA tour players, right? This is PGA Tour standard. Uh, you know, he he's a long hitter, you know, and, and always has been 6'4, 220 pounds. He can get it out there. I would say solid approach game, you know, maybe subpar around the greens when compared to other tour players, and, and perhaps an inconsistent putter. But this week I mean, he careered it on the greens, Kirk. 10.3 yeah. strokes gained putting, his best ever in his career. That's my take with Kokrak. What if? How would you assess him during his uh, tenure on tour? Yeah, I think pretty spot
1: on. I think he's always been a very good driver of the golf ball. When you combine his length with his relative accuracy, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not Fred Funk accuracy, but he's, you know, when you're hitting it. And when that club's going as fast as it is for Kokrak, um, you know, it's easy to hit it well offline, which he does not do. He drives it really well. And really, I think that was a, a key for him uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. The putting was amazing. I mean, he, uh, you know, I think the stat for last year, if I remember right, was uh, he ranked 151st on the PGA tour Strokes gained putting. So the real key, two keys for him that week were, the drive the ball in the fairway, because you had to play from the fairway to be able to spin the ball enough to hold the greens. And then from there, he made everything he looked at. He was amazing. He led the field and strokes, gained putting. Um, it was just a phenomenal performance. And I, I really do think he's a, maybe a better fast green putter. The greens were 13 on the stem meter. They're bent. They were in perfect shape. And I think he's better when he's able to take high lines, play a lot of break and die the ball into the hole. And I think that helped bars his putting go. But, you know, you probably know Drew Steckel. Steckel's been coaching him now for a few years. And I think through Steckel, he's been able to refine his swing a little bit. So it's more consistent. Um, I think that's helped his approach game quite a bit. His iron game was really, really good. Um, He just was in control of his ball the whole way around. And, um, you know, the one thing that maybe we should have talked more about on the air was that, he's an MGM ambassador. And so he's been out there a lot. He, you know, he, when he lives, I think he's living in Cleveland these days. And so when he needs to get away to get some good weather to practice, a lot of times he goes to Las Vegas and he has free run of shadow Creek when he's there. So I think the the course knowledge and, and having a really solid game plan for that golf course uh, was a big help as well.
0: You could see this coming, this good play. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be hard to predict that he was gonna win since he, you know, didn't have a win up to this point. But, you know, fifteenth at the Windham, 13th at the Northern Trust, sixth at the BMW. I mean, he finished seventeenth at the US Open. Yeah. And to your point with Drew, you can see it too. Strokes gained T to green. It has improved. He hasn't lost strokes, um, T to green since July his approach game has been i would say again solid even subtle improvements here and there in around the green but the big difference of course when you get into the positive 10 in any statistical category mm-hmm. that's a huge week and it'll be interesting to see how he um you know what this does for him and maybe kind of spins him forward and gives him the confidence to to clip off another one but uh, second place of course was uh, xander But the guy that finished T3rd, I want to ask you about Terrell Hatton. For those that follow my podcast, uh, they know that, you know, I've been a a big fan of Terrell Hatton um, for a couple of years. I've I've said I think he's one of the most underrated players in the game. He's currently ninth in the official World Golf rankings. You look at him statistically, you can't really take the sample size for just this year. There's not a lot of rounds. But, I mean... These stats, I'm going to read them off to you, Kurt. Strokes getting off the tee, 64th approach fourth around the green, 42nd, putting 34th, you know, tee to green 13th, total 8th. And this is a guy that has no weaknesses. And what's the ceiling for him as you as you watch him play?
1: Well, you covered it pretty well there. I you know, I think the ceiling is really high for that guy. For all, all of the reasons that you mentioned and he's you know, the thing that I didn't realize I think is that and stats don't always tell us because, you know, he may be hitting a lot of three woods off the tee or laying up on holes where other guys are hitting tires or whatever. But he's got some length. He's getting it out there right now. And yeah. part of that, I think, is he's playing with so much confidence right now and there really isn't a weakness I knew he could really putt he's always been able to to really putt and I think you know the stats wise you know it'll be more clear the more he plays over here you know he still goes and and plays a lot back at home in Europe and so those stats aren't as in-depth as our strokes gain stats over here so we're going to learn more and more about him but I don't think he has really any holes in his game either and I think you know, people would say, yeah, but he's, you know, he's so demonstrative and so, you know, he gets all ticked off so easy and but It's almost like it's just kind of part of him, you know, it's almost like a yeah. show a little bit. It's not a, he knows that it's being shown on TV. He knows people laugh at it and he, I mean, he's not dumb. He knows all that stuff's out there on, on TV every week. But, you know, from the mental side of that, the one thing that he doesn't do, like you know, I, I I don't know what round. I think it was Saturday. He hit a he hit a second shot in the fairway on ten, and he did the the, the club fit, flip down the fairway, <laughs> and then he and then he kicked down the fairway a few more times before he finally picked it up. You know, and you thought, oh man, if you didn't know who Terrell Hatton was, you'd think, oh yeah, this guy's done. Like he's there's no way he gets his mind back into the game. But by the time he gets to the green and has this whatever it was, chip, bunker shot, whatever he had left there. I can't remember for sure. But, you know, he's back. he focused. That was just like for two or three minutes he loses his mind. And then when he gets to the ball, he's fine. And I think that's why he continues to play well because he really does not You know, some guys, when they lose their mind and they start throwing clubs and banging their bag, you know, that carries over for two holes. And by that time they've made a double, they've made another bogey hatton doesn't do that you know he he shows his emotions you know it's it looks terrible on tv sometimes <laughs> it makes me laugh every time i see it i i, I know. would it not be the greatest thing ever to have a microphone on him for 18 holes i know he'd yeah. never do it but how entertaining would that be um but it's uh he's a piece of work and i i love his game just like you i think he's he's got a very high ceiling um, the way the guy puts, I mean, you just never know. A place like Augusta National, where you have to be able to putt the ball, I mean, it could be
0: right up his alley. Who knows? Yeah, I agree. I mean, he he's always been that world class putter, and I think he's kind of reeled it in a little bit from his ball striking uh, standpoint over the last uh, couple years. But yeah, I mean, he's it just feels like some of the antics that he does have on the course. If a Bryson or a Brooks, you know. It would come down, I think, with much harsher criticism, right? But for some reason, it lands a little bit differently with him, Um and man, is there any way we can make that happen to get a microphone on him? Because I mean, that would be phenomenal. It really would. That would be amazing to watch. Even just even if it's a Wednesday deal, Kurt. Like you know, for charity. Yeah. I mean, just serve that up. Oh um,
1: God, it be awful.
0: for us because he is—he's uh, fun to watch. He's in the field this week. Zozo Championship of course. Tiger uh, is the defending champion. And I was looking at the field and just kind of looking over these players. And I want to throw a few names at you as we look at this field, obviously a lot of guys are playing some good golf heading in, but I always like to ask guys like you, some guys that, you know, you look at some more obvious than others that are not playing good golf. And I would, for me, a deeper level of concern, the the most obvious is Spieth. He's now down to 75 in the official world golf rankings. He was 38th at the CJ cup. He did play better uh, on the weekend, but you look deeper he still lost strokes statistically from his ball striking standpoint. How do you view it right now when you look at Jordan? We're going on the better part of three years, of really playing un-Jordan-like type of golf.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's not fun to watch a guy who you know you used to watch, and every time he was in in contention, you knew he was going to have a chance. It's it's really tough to watch. It's you know I watched him warm up. At CJ Cup this past week, one of the days, and he had a great warm up. I mean, really, really solid all the way through the bag. And I and I stuck around to watch driver in in particular to see what he was doing. And the only time I could see that he would get in trouble with the driver when he was warming up, and you know he's loose. There's you know no concerns where you're hitting it and all that. And I get that, but to me, the only time he got in trouble was when he would try to play a draw. And I know he likes to play a draw. He did in the past when he was winning all those tournaments. But when he would just, you know, really turn hard through the ball and not get stuck behind with too much bend in his right side trying to hit that draw, when he would turn hard through it and hit a cut or a straight ball to a cut, it really looked good. And I guess that's my takeaway from watching him last week is that it's almost like, Have one miss you know you know what i mean i mean if you're Mm -hmm. missing it both ways you've got serious problems if you're trying to play the pga tour if you have one miss at least you can aim for that you can aim down the right side and play a draw if it hooks you still might keep it in the fairway on the left side and vice versa You, you aim down that left side and if you're overcutting it you still have 35 yards of fairway you still might get in the right side if you're hitting it great it peels two yards and you're in the middle of the fairway but i feel like that's part of it maybe that he needs to figure out one shot and play that a little more often. But I think the confidence factor is just gone right now. It's just, it just isn't there anymore. And whether changes need to be made, you know, that's a tough call. You know, you teach players it's, you know, it's um, um, he's, he's been with Cameron McCormick a long time, but I will say this, sometimes a new set of eyeballs and somebody else, you know, talking in your ear about, something a little different or presenting it a little different way sometimes that works yeah you know i mean butch Harmon's known as one of the great teachers of all time and you know i mean mickelson left him and people it happens it's not yeah at the end of the world you know players go to other teachers when they're at a you know sort of beating their head against the wall and they can't get it figured out and and who knows it could be time for him to make
0: some changes yeah i mean it's just inevitable really in the the teacher player relationship that it's going to come to an end at some point. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just too competitive out there, as you know, and it's too hard of a game and there's too many distractions and it's difficult to, to stay at that level. And, you know, it's interesting. You bring up an interesting point with him that is he being stubborn with the driver and wanting to hit the draw, you know, or, Is that the plan? Because I wouldn't think that would be the plan. You would think it would be to tee it down a little bit and get him, you know, get on top of it and hit some cuts. Is it that he still wants to, you know, set up and move the ball right to left? I I don't know the answer to that, but boy, it's just, it is hard to watch. And he still has, it seems, that ability to score and and shoot 70 when it looks like he's shooting 77. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I just I scratch my head and I'm just like, I, I can't believe something different hasn't happened. I want to ask you when you watch, you know, Ricky Fowler, what, what do you see with him now and his ball strike?
1: You know, at times I think it's it's coming and I think he's getting there. You know, it's been a process for him because that's a pretty big change, you know, from for, to go from where his backswing ended up, which is, you know, pretty laid off and flat and yeah you know he's trying to get that shaft a little more up vertical going back and then be able to lay it down a little bit on the way through and that's a huge change for him but I think he's gotten closer and I don't see him too far off I see him a lot closer uh, than George Spieth right now that's for sure it seems to me that Ricky he's in one of those places where it's still a little bit you know, he still has to think about it a little bit out there, the swing chain. And every once in a while, bad swing jumps in there, and it and it causes a big number. And I think once he eliminates the big numbers, I think he's a lot closer to playing well again, especially than, than Jordan is right now. So the problem is when you go through these changes a lot of times, if it doesn't happen right away and if you don't see some good results right away and you go out there and you're competing week to week on the PGA Tour and the results aren't there, eventually it it starts to chip away at that confidence that you had. You can be playing really good and the swing changes can be there and you're, you've kind of gotten over the hump and everything should be good. But the only way you get the confidence back now is to shoot the good scores and maybe have some good finishes. So it's kind of a you know, ch- chicken and the egg or whatever you want to call it, yeah. but it's not an easy thing confidence is a really tough thing to get back once you lose it. And the only way to do it is have good results.
0: Yeah. It, it, these guys, you know, it's just so competitive out there as, as you know, and, and so deep, they they can't be thinking about, you know, the swing and what they're doing to be playing at that unconscious state that they they've played at before. Right. And it, it, it is a process certainly to get there, but it, you know, you can see it with Ricky. The club is, is certainly looking a little bit better. He looks like he's kind of loading up a little bit more. He would, you know, he would get used to kind of spin away from that post a little bit going back. And as you mentioned, the shaft would get laid off, but it's fascinating that you play most of your career with the shaft, probably steepening a little in transition. And now you're going to a phase where it shallows and man like that, you know, in the world of instruction, that's some, that's some wholesale stuff for sure. The other guy, that I want to ask you about, and I've been saying this for a while, that I, I'm concerned about Justin Rose. Um, my goodness, I mean, I've met Justin a couple of times, and one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Just terrific individual, you know. Just this the short amount of time that I got to spend with him, and then I, I see some of the things that he has done, you know, in his career and the changes that he is making. Um, no longer, of course, with Sean Foley, and then you know, I think in hindsight, probably the bit of the debacle of a changing equipment when he was the number one player in the world. And, you know, just some stuff that I look at, I'm like, man, that doesn't even, that doesn't even kind of strike me as Justin Rose, you know, kind of making these big changes. And he has just, he hasn't looked good Kurt at all, you know, ball striking. We think of Justin Rose, but strokes gain, you know, when you look at him tee to green, he's, he's in the red here in the last uh, few months 52nd at the CJ cup. What, what do you think of Justin right now?
1: Yeah, it's uh, I agree. It's uh it's really unusual. The guy is just such a professional and he just, you know, he works on every aspect of his game. And I mean, I, I just remember a couple of years ago um, he was playing, I think he and Rory were paired together out at uh, Safeway and I was out watching him. you know, before we went on the air one day. And I mean, Rose was driving it out there right with, Rory all day long. And we know how far down there that is. Um, and he was mm-hmm. accurate and just every part of his game. He's, he's, a, he's an unbelievable bunker player. I mean, he is so good in the bunkers. He's great around the greens. And I thought, you know, once the putting kind of got fixed, you know, a couple of years ago, this guy was, I mean, that was kind of the last thing, but you know, he, he I, you know, for whatever reason he broke up with Sean Foley and, you know, maybe he's searching a little bit now. I don't know. I it's, it's, you know, sometimes he's had such a great career and he's a major champion, he's an Olympic champion. And, you know, sometimes maybe they just kind of hit this wall in their career. I think he's close to 40 if he's not 40 yet. So I don't know. Um, I think he he has a lot left in the tank. Don't get me wrong, but um, I just think he's going through a stage here where golf's not quite as much fun as it was right now. He's not shooting the scores that he was. And, Guys have to sort this stuff out and figure out the way to go here. I, I wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I haven't heard. Is he is he working with anyone right now that you know of?
0: No, I mean, I think he was in the yeah. Bahamas, and, and that's when he announced he was no longer to be with Sean. He came back, and, of course, the Schwab, he was third, played well, uh, 14th at the Heritage. All right, mm-hmm. you know, off you go. And then he missed his three straight cuts. Um, you know, he played top 10 at the PGA, but you know, he just – it just feels like it's going the wrong yeah. way now. Um, and it just, it just, you know, he's showing up negative three, four strokes, T to green and that's not Justin Rose. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that, that doesn't even sound like Justin Rose. So who knows? I mean, behind the scenes, maybe kind of get back to, he just kind of strikes me as that guy that, you know, Hey, ingrain in the process mm-hmm. surround yourself around the right people make good to deci- you know, like, and all of a sudden, like, We've kind of deviated yeah. from that, you know. He, he's in a lot of commercials. He's, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't completely add up. I will say, uh, I
1: will say to me. this, Travis. You know, at some point, I wish some of these guys, especially a guy like Rose, who's in a position where financially he never has to worry about it again. I wish these guys yeah. would play the equipment that is. They know absolutely that it's the best equipment that they can put in their bag, and don't mm-hmm. chase the extra you know, whatever it is, I have no idea. I'm just throwing a number, you know, let's say it's a $5 million a year deal out there. You know, you've already, whatever, you've already got $75 million in the bank. You've got a hundred million dollars. I have no idea, but when you've got enough money, why not just play the absolute equipment, you know, you can play the best. So he was playing great with the equipment, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from like three, four years ago um he knew the driver he knew the irons he was playing the wedges everything was great and then he did the putter thing you know with that putter that he endorses now and and i thought man he's off and running but i i do think the equipment change was a big deal and i think it yeah started sure. him in the wrong direction
0: for sure i mean he's the number one yeah. player in the world um you know when he made the change i, I always like to play the games like just take the name off of the situation of what just happened in front of you and ask yourself if that makes sense. You're the number one player in the world and you just switched equipment. Yeah. Like (laughs) you've just won the Olympics.
1: (laughs) I heard, I heard, (laughs) I I mean, he, you know, and I'd heard that when Rose won the Olympics, that that Olympic gold medal would be worth $10 million a a year minimum for him, you know, just in, Mm. in, uh, endorsements and, uh, you know, fees for showing up at different things and just, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, that's unbelievable. So to your point, I mean, once you get to that point, making an equipment change is a big deal for these guys. It's not a big deal for a 10 handicapper, but it's a huge deal for a guy that's the number one player in the world.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, we've got some, we got a few big events here coming up. One of them, of course, uh, the Masters, that uh, is just going to be fascinating uh, to watch in November. Let, let me ask you real quick are, the, are these guys, these guys have just got to be, Begging to have some people on the golf course. I mean, they have to be so ready to see some people. I mean, even Tiger. I mean, Tiger would probably welcome somebody yelling in his backswing right now. Oh yeah. I mean, they're just ready.
1: All of these guys. They're (laughs) look. I those kind of. I mean, they those guys thrive on galleries. I mean, you know the the Tigers and the Brooks Kepkas and and the Justin Roses of the world. I mean, these guys. Ricky Fowler. Yeah, um, they they thrive yeah. on that stuff. They it's like they, they want to show off how good they are and they and they thrive on that, man. You know, that you know, the big crowd roars when they stuff one in there from you know, 20. Um, it's just I I it's definitely something that's lacking out there right now. It's too bad that the masters can't have it. It's gonna be really weird watching it without that gallery, especially, you know, Saturday, Sunday, the back nine, you know. So yeah, I think these guys I Tiger even talked about it that it's it's something that he misses. Think about Tiger. Since when he turned pro, what, 96, has he ever played a tournament mm-hmm. where there wasn't 10,000 people following him around a golf course? And no. so he, he thrives no. on that energy that he gets from these big galleries. And he even talked about it. He said it's been a little bit of a problem since the uh,
0: restart of golf. Dak prescott you know the quarterback for the 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 cowboys opened up about it and talked about it how he struggled with depression coming back from the Mm -hmm. pandemic and he's not the only one you know you you know there's a lot of this happening in professional sports struggling to get back to that peak performance you know because they're entertainers and the gallery and the fans Our big motivation for that and i i I, there's no question in my mind on the tour there's guys right now struggling to just get that fire lit and get out there and and i'm sure perform because that's what they do they feed off of that injury especially at augusta where they line them up 12 13 deep you know so it's going to be interesting to look at you know one guy that um, you know during the pandemic and I, i i have to ask you here about bryson who just completely changed his body. Kurt, I talked to Greg Roscoff, who's the guy that really was the guy that put all of this together for Bryson. They've been working on this for three years and um, it's a podcast that's going to run this Wednesday. It's really, really interesting stuff. Uh, He's the workout guy? And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Greg Roscoff's the guy that really started with Bryson three years ago and just getting his body really in a position where he could start to put on weight and start to handle the speed this has been a year and a half in the making before you know bryson all of a sudden showed up after the pandemic with with 40 pounds heavier yeah. so it's it was a really interesting conversation to look at and i told him i was like you realize that bryson hit it 298 yards in 2018 he hit it 322 yards in 2019 season, and in a very short sample size, he's hit it 344 yeah. yards in uh, 2020. I mean, that's just crazy, it's unbelievable. I mean, that is just incredible jump. You you look at this, right? Yep. You're out there. Give us some insight to Bryson, the character um, that he is out there. Is it? I don't know, Bryson. Is it really that he is the scientist? that he kind of puts off and and we hear about and we see. Give us some insight on who Bryson DeChambeau is.
1: He's 100% a numbers guy. He's a physics, a numbers guy. And so that whole process of, first of all, getting his body ready to be able to practice swinging the club as fast as he is, that was a big deal, right? You can't just go there and start swinging, you know, 135 miles an hour when you've been swinging at 118 and expect your body to hold up because it's that's going to be hard on it. But he put on the muscle, you know, he did the workouts and he'd strengthened the area that he needed to strengthen. And now he's able to go, you know, he's going to, he said the other day, he's going to hit 2,000 drivers before the Masters. He's working with a 48 inch shaft <laughs> because he breaks down with the numbers. He knows that that extra three inches or whatever on that shaft, with that length of club, that's going to equate to whatever it is. Let's say it's another twenty yards. Um, so it's a numbers game for him. He he looks at strokes gained, you know, at uh, a year ago, and he knows that if he can add twenty yards of length. Off the tee, that that's going to equate to one shot a day, or whatever the number is. You know what I mean? I mean they, he's broke. He knows. He knows all these numbers. He's a numbers guy, and so he's just trying to give himself the advantage. And I mean, obviously, it showed up at Wingfoot during the U.S. Open. The guy, you know, he wasn't hitting it in the fairway, but if you're playing with him and you're hitting at three ten, and he's hitting at three forty he's got wedges and nine irons and you're still back there occasionally missing a fairway, trying to hack a six iron out on the green, green, you're going to, you're losing that battle. <laughs> and you know, he showed up in a big way, went by six, you know, and then, you know, here's a perfect example of we we were rehearsing on Wednesday afternoon at the U S open. We had a big meeting You know, Golf Channel, NBC, we have this huge meeting on Wednesday. And after the meeting, we went to rehearse. So everybody goes to their positions in their towers. And Bryson happened to be playing a practice round that afternoon, late in the afternoon. So this is like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so one of the cameramen, we're going around, we're looking at holes. We're looking at every hole on the golf course and the camera positions and what we're going to see and what it looks like on camera. And Bryson's on one of the greens. And so the cameraman pushes in and we see that he's got his that foresight quad that he uses. He has it out Mm -hmm. on the putting green. He's setting the ball perfectly where the quad can pick up how the ball, because of the speed of the greens and the, the nature of the greens at wing foot. He wanted to see how the ball was reacting off his putter so that the ball was having the best chance to roll perfectly off of his putter is basically what he was trying to do. So he was using his quad. I've never seen another player on a putting green using a quad, right? But this is the (laughs) night before the first round. So if there was, you know, I'm assuming if there was a loft adjustment that he needed to make or if there was anything, he was trying to eliminate that variable. He wanted the ball to roll perfectly off his putter or as close to perfect as he could get. I've never seen that before. And I mean, that's just kind of him in a nutshell. He just, you know, and then we all know what he did with Chris Como the night before the last round. He didn't like the way he was hitting it on Saturday. He went there. He was the only player out there hitting. It got dark. They turned on the lights for him at Wingfoot so that he could keep hitting balls. And he hit balls on Saturday night until he figured the dang thing out. And then we know what he did on Sunday, and uh, you know the rest is history for him. I mean, he just he works hard. You know that kind of hard work and the number game for yeah. him, it all works. You're
0: single and you have no <laughs> yeah. kids, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are the things that uh, that you can do. And uh, and and yeah, he is working hard. I mean, I, I just uh, the criticism that he has received from this, I just I don't, don't understand it. I, I just like I, I I'm like, when's the last time a, a professional athlete? It's a bad thing to get right. bigger, stronger, and faster. Like, do you know why is I that mean, a bad thing? It, I, think I about I just, the
1: skill that it takes. They say, Oh, there's no skill in how far he's Yeah, sitting. There is a tremendous amount of skill. If your club head, you know this, you teach people all the time. You use track man, you use quad, yeah. you know all these numbers. But if your club head is traveling 128 miles an hour versus a guy who His club head is going 113 miles an hour, and that 113 miles an hour is producing 170 mile an hour ball speed versus 194 mile an hour ball speed. If you make a mistake going as fast as he's going, it's going to be so far offline. It is not going to be inside that cone that you want to keep it in, you know? And so there's a lot of skill in developing that talent. I, I admire it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean, it's hitting it long and straight is is not an easy task when you're getting ball speeds up over the 190. And um, what's interesting now, and after talking with Greg, I do think he's going to be the biggest we've seen him um, in November. And I think he'll be swinging it as hard as he has since coming back out there. he's uh, changing these guys' minds,
1: right? I mean, you look at Yeah, oh, yeah. You look at all these guys. In the the last two weeks, how many top players – have put an Instagram video out there of them in the low one nineties with ball speed, Rory, DJ, yep. I'm probably missing a couple, but those two in particular, uh, they both did in the last 10 days. So you he's know. changing some minds out there. At least they want to know they can do it. Right. They want to know that they have it in there. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. It's funny because like when Bryson first started going down this path, and you look at some of the comments, particularly Kepka stands out for me. And I think it did get in, I think it did get in Bryson's head to some degree. Now the ironic part is Bryson is in everybody else's head. And to your point, you're seeing these posts. Rory's like, I just want to make sure that mm-hmm. I can get to 190. Um, DJ's swinging you know, hard. You see Finao doing it. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, th- th- they all looked a little bit. It looked uncomfortable (laughs) for them, you know, and, and out of control with Bryson, it doesn't, it looks normal. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating conversation I had with Greg. It'll be a great listen on Wednesday. I want to do a little rapid fire here before we, uh, before I let you go. This is. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. This is good stuff. We're going to, it's a little game I like to play where we just kind of project ahead here. So I'm going to give you two names and then you got to pick one of those two and why they're going to have the better next two years on the PGA Tour. First one, here we go. Xander or Cantley?
1: I didn't know you were going to make it this hard. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Maybe uh, I should have set that one ahead really, of time. Just real
0: life, that's a tough one. <laughs> I,
1: I really like both of their guys games a lot. I, yeah, yeah, I, I guess. I'm
0: fr- we know they're I'm both friendly. Be with, there from I'm the friendly next with Xander's
1: dad, and I'm friendly with Jamie Mulligan, too. So this is a really tough one for me, but I'll go. I'm Just because just I have to pick one, I'm going to just go with Xander, only because at this moment in time, Xander's definitely a better pro- uh, putter than Cantlay is right now. And Cantlay's a good putter. He was, I, I like his stroke and everything. But right now, I like Xander's putting stroke a little bit better.
0: That's interesting. Xander's like, he's in my top five for wanting mm-hmm. to watch. And I didn't realize, and you guys were talking about it on the telecast, just how regarded he is by the other players and how many of them kind of label him as the top He's He's,
1: uh, yeah, hes he's got a lot of admirers. There's no doubt about it, you know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, he, his rookie year, right? He won. He he won at East at the Tour Championship. I mean, this this guy, he's he's really really good, and he's unafraid of the moment. Yeah, he made a bogey down the stretch at CJ Cup on Sunday yesterday that cost may have cost him his turn. You know, the tournament he had one you know, that drive in a bad spot underneath that tree, but. He is not afraid of the moment. He's he he's just a bulldog out there. I mean, if the if he's got a ten footer for bogey, he's grinding just as if it was a ten footer for birdie. I mean, he just the guy has no let up in mm-hmm. him. Cantley doesn't either. Back to Cantley, but I, I but I, I I'm gonna just I I'm gonna have to stick with Xander on this one, and I think
0: they're both gonna have a great two years. Last three tournaments for Xander: second at the Tour Championship, fifth at the U.S. Open, second at the CJ Cup. All right, next one here, Taylor Gooch or Lanto Griffin? Next two, next years, two years, I'll go who,
1: with – uh, ju- I'm going to go with Lanto Griffin there because he already has the win, and I think that gives him some confidence that he knows you know, how to get that job done. Not that Gooch can't get it done, but I think the edge for me will go with uh, Lanto Griffin because he already has the win, and he knows what it feels like down the stretch trying to put away a tournament. And they're both really good ball strikers. Uh Lonto's a little bit longer, I think, overall than Gucci is. So I'll go with Lonto. All
0: right. He'll be uh defending, of course, at the Houston Open, which found its its home right before the Augusta, who had ever thought in November. All right. Well, this one's, yeah, let's let's let me give you let me give you the three young guns here. And 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 you don't have to pick, but just kind of give me some your thoughts on, on these three, if you want to pick great, but you know, these guys have been paired, Victor Wolf, who's showing the consistency that I think we were all looking for. And then of course the PGA champion, Morikawa, those three. You know, thoughts. they
1: all came out of college together. Uh, I thought that Morikawa was for me was probably ranked number three, but it, and I would have probably put Wolf number one, Hovland second, Morikawa three, but, it was clear pretty quickly that Morikawa was going to be really good out here. He was just so consistent, you know. And he went it went up to the Barracuda in Reno and won that event, and it, uh, it was just so impressive. I, the, the I think the question mark was for Morikawa was he didn't win a lot his senior season at Cal, and so in college, so you kind of wondered, well, he's going to be consistent, he'll make a lot of money, but is he going to be able to win? Well, he he put that to bed in a hurry. Um, so that's kind of, you know, he's just all around uh, every part of it. Uh, you know, his his coach, um, I, can't, I I always I have trouble with his last name, Rick Sunninghouse or Sussing, Sussinghouse. Uh, Sussinghouse. Yeah. Sussinghouse. So Sussinghouse, so Sussinghouse yeah. is not only a swing coach, he has a degree in psychology. So the guy pretty much covers every base there. So I, Mark how I'm very, very high on. Wolf, I love George Gankus, the enthusiasm. Wolf's a hell of an athlete. You know, we know he hits it a mile. That's the one thing that he does better than Morikawa. He hits it a mile, and Hovland has that. He has everything, like every part of the game except for one. He is at at the PGA Tour level, at his level, a tournament winner, and a consistent player on tour. He might be the worst chipper of the ball that I've seen out there right now. Like he he, pitching off of tight lies, chipping off of tight lies right now. He's, he's not good and he knows he's not good. So he's fine if there's grass under the ball. Um, But I think both he and Wolf are going to both win a lot of tournaments out there over the course of, you know, the next five and 10 years. So is Morikawa, but you got to give the edge to Morikawa right now. I mean, anybody that wins a major championship uh, deserves a crown as far as those three go.
0: You know he never he was he he never was on a launch monitor. Is that right? To college, yeah, or, Morikawa, yeah. yeah, never. And Sessinghouse has taught him for a long time. I talked to Rick about it, and he's like, "Yeah, we just
1: tell you what I you, you <laughs> got as a teacher. You, know? <laughs> you must love the positions that he gets in, and when he how about that? You know, oh, I, I mean, love that. Just, you, know, you know, I as long as your grip's not really, really strong, I, if it's, you know, if it's a neutral grip, I love a lot of these guys, you know, in the change of directions where, where that left wrist starts to bow and that really gives them control of the club face and work. has got a ton of that.
0: Yeah. And he played, you know, he played a draw most of his youth. And then he really, as I understand, didn't go to the fade until he turned pro, um, And that has become more of a shot for him, Um, but yeah, I mean his his swing is just fabulous. And um, you know, of course, Wolf, I I I gotta I'll be honest, I've been a little surprised um, with Wolf. Not you know, he won the three M Open, but you know, second at the U.S. Open, second at the Shriners, fourth at the those are good numbers. I mean, yeah. That's some pretty heady stuff. Those are great numbers. I, I, you know, I, I was look, I I thought he would play well, but I didn't think he would play that well. And um, so I, I was, uh, I've been surprised and yeah, you got to, You got to shore up the chipping in the pitching with Hovland. I think what they're what's happening there, I think is, is learning. um, And I've talked to Dana about this, Dahlquist a little bit about this with him is that, is that they're learning what's the most efficient way for him to manage um, the, the the hooded face a little bit, um, and then the the leading edge interaction with the ground, um, you know, is he going a lot like DJ does, where he opens the face up more? Or are they going to have to change the left wrist only,
1: only for those shots during right? the motion? Yeah,
0: only for those shots. So it's it's they, they they it clearly hasn't gotten to a good point yet because um, you're not going to keep winning yeah, on the PG I tour will say that uh, uh, right? I'm a on, big fan yeah.
1: of of Dana Dahlquist, and so I i think they'll get it figured out and and you know dana yeah he has an ego as a teacher just like all of you really good teachers do but he doesn't let that get in the way if he feels like that hoblin could be helped by another instructor with his pitching and chipping i don't think he would have any trouble sending him over there so they'll figure it out
0: yeah 100 percent. yeah oh yeah and i think josh gregory's helping him a little and then i seen Victor posting some swings with Jeff Smith on the speed. So there's another guy that speaking of of guys that are posting, you know, pictures of swinging it really really hard. What about Rory or DJ? What 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 are we going to see? I mean, DJ is is a guy that um, has resurfaced. Um, Unfortunate here with the COVID. Hopefully he's going to get back soon and healthy. Rory, married, child um, on the way, and and you know what are we going to see? From these two guys now over the next two years, they, they, they gotta be peak, right? With mm-hmm. what Bryson's doing, hit that twenty five yards past them. I, I mean, we're gonna see I some great so. golf from these two. I mean, we? I
1: really do. I, you know, Rory's he's he's working a little bit right now, swing and not playing golf like he normally does. Um, I will say this on touching on the uh, the distance thing with Rory. Um, you know, he's, he posted that video and he's, you know, I was listening to uh, a video that one of the uh, made guys put out about his bag setup for the week of CJ. And he is, he had, st- he had stuck with the driver that it's, it's stand ten and a half 10 and a half, but he's got it dialed down to eight. He's also gone to a lighter shaft, which for a guy that hits it, as far as he does, that's, you know, that can be a pretty big change. So he's, he's, you know, the lighter yeah. shaft, he's got it down to eight degrees. I mean, and he and I'm watching him warm up a couple of different days out there in Las Vegas, and he is hitting it sky high with this drive. I mean, he is trying to launch it as high as he can, and the ball's going forever. So he's still he's definitely working on on the length part of that. But I I think that the home life is going really well for him. I think that gives him peace of mind. Um, I, I, yeah, I still, I always have high expectations for Rory. I think he's going to be great for the next five years, you know, maybe even 10, who knows? Um, he, yeah. He, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, we need he's him. such you a know, good guy. Him. He's so well-spoken. He's just a, yeah. he's a, you know, he's a really good representative of the PGA tour. There's no doubt about that.
0: All right. Well, I got to ask you about Tiger Woods. Of course he's playing this week. Zozo. Championship Sherwood, defending champs. Um, and then we're gonna see him again. They go to Bermuda on the tour, and then the Houston open. and then, of course, we've got the Masters. So two times in four weeks, what do you think? I mean, it's it's boy, it's hard to wrap your arms around Tiger Woods. It hasn't been great in the level of play. Um, what do you what do you think we're gonna see here, Kurt with Tiger?
1: yeah i i agree with you I, it's it's hard to tell what we're gonna get i you know obviously so much of it depends on his his health how his back's feeling how his body's moving um you know but it, it seems like at times it's it's like it's kind of uh filtered the you know the the average play well he would consider it poor play if he's not winning tournament so um so you know the poor play some of that has filtered down into his putting at times too. He's not putting at the level that he was, um, you know, that we're used to seeing. So I think with tiger, it's just really going to depend on how his body is moving. And I think, you know, it's getting to the point where, you know, he's not hitting it nearly as far as he was. He's going to have to have golf courses that are, that require, you know, a great iron game. And then hopefully his putting gets back to what we're used to seeing, but, you know, he's not hitting it anywhere near those, those guys that we've talked about DJ, you know Rory Bryson and those kind of guys so um, but again, you know you Sherwood is a golf course I think he could compete on because you know it doesn't require overwhelming length there you know there's some layup holes off the tee um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him play well and especially if and I think the weather's going to be good out there so we'll see I mean to this time of year usually the weather's really good out in Southern California. And then the Masters, you know, I mean, we know what he's capable of doing there. So, you know, hopefully he's feeling good. And, you know, it's just if you're not getting a lot of reps, though, even if you're Tiger Woods, if you're not getting the reps competitively, I think it's hard to put it all together for that one week that you show up. So it'll be interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, well. He, he, he showed up in the Zozo and just last year and put on an incredible display of ball striking, yeah. um, drove the ball, I mean, exceptionally well. Iron game, always on point for the most part. So, yeah, it, it, you just hope he feels good, right? You hope he yeah. you hope he feels good. He gets up. The, the speed is there for him um, where he feels like he can go after it and feel good and doing that. Um, love to see him. Get some, you know, get a little bit of confidence heading into the Masters. and As you mentioned, you know, no one knows Augusta National better than he does uh, around mm-hmm. that golf course. And I think you kind of hope for somewhat of warm conditions, but it could be, you know, rainy and cold as well. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see so many storylines. lines. Um, thank you for being out there. I mean, the tour's done a great job. The Golf Channel's done a great job. Um, my goodness, we appreciate uh, being able to sit down and watch golf through this uh, difficult summer now into the fall
1: believe me i was i was thankful to go back to work i i, I you know i love being out there I, st- I love being still a little bit of a part of what goes on on the pga tour the tv the golf channel's been awfully good to me so it was great to go back to work i love what i do i missed it when we were down for those three and a half months so i'm yeah. glad to be back
0: well, good. We were great at it. I, I, I always enjoy your uh, your your the way you break it down and present it to the audience. So keep up the great work. I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, this was great and uh, we'll do it again.